0: Well, good morning, church. So good to see uh, each of you on this cold uh, January morning. Thank you for being with us uh, to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hey, if you were here last night at the Chili Cook-Off, I hope you had a great time. I know we sure did, uh, me and my family. It was a lot of fun. We had a great crowd, great turnout. Uh, The Chili was excellent. The uh, Cornhole Tournament was okay because I didn't win learning a lot of lessons in humility, you know, not to talk so much smack beforehand. Hey, but my team, we won the first game, so I was really excited, you know, and then the second game was devastating. We lost 17 to 1, <laughs> but it was quick and painless. Uh, but anyways, so it was, it was a lot of fun, I'm, and thank you guys, and uh, hey, everybody who, who came, and especially everyone who helped afterwards clean up, thank you so much. It was a good time. Well, hey, Before we get started, I have some exciting news to tell you. So uh, we have set the date for our new members class, Discover Kernan. So Discover Kernan is our class for anyone uh, who's interested in becoming a member here at Kernan. This is an opportunity for you. This is the first step in that process uh, for you to just come and, and get to know. Uh, get to know our church and, and what we're all about and what our mission is that we believe God has given us to pursue. So those dates are February 13th, 20th, and 27th. So it's a three-week class uh, from 9:15 to 10 a.m. All right. So 9 15 a.m. to 10 a.m. on Sunday, those three Sunday mornings. So during community group hour. Uh, so we make it easy for you. Um, So just come during that hour, and it's it's going to be a really good time of learning all about uh, what Kernan is all about. So that uh, sign-up is in the lobby. So we had a great response over the last couple of weeks. So we have a good-sized class. We were waiting to see how many we had sign-up before we set the dates. So we want to do it sooner rather than later. That's why it's coming up pretty quick here. So uh, if you are interested, you can sign up. The, there's no deadline for that. You can sign up and, or walk in on the 13th, but we're just trying to get an idea of how many people uh, the class is going to be in the music suite, uh, which is across uh, from the preschool hall. So we'll have more details on that later. Uh, but hey, we're excited for this class, and I hope you are as well. Well, Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says this. If you don't have a Bible with you, I know I haven't given you enough time to turn there, uh, but you can read it on the screen. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says this. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples and he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria And to the end of the earth. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, you are our King, you are our Lord, you are our Savior. Lord, the least we can do today is devote our attention to what you have to say through your word. Because, Lord, your word carries authority. You are the creator of all things. You designed this world to work a certain way. You designed our hearts to function a certain way. So Lord, when you speak, may we be attentive and may we listen to the words you have for us. And I pray that those words, Lord Jesus, would penetrate our hearts and speak to us and transform our character, transform the depths of our soul so that we long for you so that we want more of you in our lives. Let that be reflected today in your word. It's in your name we pray, amen. So last week, we just wrapped up a three-week vision checkup series. We spent three weeks looking at the vision that God has given us to pursue here as a church uh, known as Kernan Church. And our vision statement uh, articulates and summarizes that vision that we've been talking about the last three weeks, Kernan exists to glorify God by making disciples who do three things. We want to make disciples who worship with authenticity. We want to make disciples who walk in community. And we want to make disciples who witness as we go. So last year, in 2021, I preached a topical series related to Worship. We uh, did a summer series in the Psalms, if you remember that, and then another series uh, later on in 2021 on what it looks like to live in biblical community. But I haven't preached a sermon series yet on the last phrase of this vision statement. So we've kind of covered worship, we've talked in depthly about community, and so now. I thought this would be a good time to to focus on the last phrase of our vision statement with a topical sermon series called witness as we go. So for the next four weeks, that's what we're going to be looking at. We're going to be looking at what it truly means to witness as we go. Now, that phrase can be used to describe our collective, organized, global mission efforts as a church, right, as we go on mission trips around the world or different parts of America, or as we give to missionaries through missions offerings like we just did in December to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, or as we pray for different missionaries, right, or as we serve uh, different local mission organizations. But that phrase can and should have a double meaning, It can also mean that each of us as individuals should be a faithful witness for Christ as we go and live our everyday lives in our own circles of influence that God has given us. So it's this aspect of that phrase that I want us to focus on for the next four weeks. How do we share? This is essentially the question we're asking How do we, as individuals, share the gospel message with the people around us in our lives, in our circles of influence, who don't know Jesus Christ? That's the answer that we're really trying, uh, or that's the question, I should say, that we're really trying to answer over these next few weeks. Now, before any good plan of action can really be discussed, we must first understand the situation. So what is the situation that we're trying to address here when we're talking about witnessing as we go? What exactly is the issue here that we are wanting to address? What's the problem? What's the solution? We must first discuss the situation of the matter before we talk about the details of how to go about resolving it. So that's where we're starting today, the situation. What exactly is the situation at hand that we must be concerned about? So I think it starts by looking at the need. The need of the world and the, the devastating news is that humanity is separated from God. Humanity is separated from God. That is the dire need of this situation concerning evangelism or witnessing to our friends and neighbors and family members so I know you're probably tired of this as you go different places because I am and I know it's not necessarily the business's fault fault but there's some serious supply chain issues in America right now right and so you go to different stores and you go to different restaurants and what are we constantly hearing right now oh I'm sorry we're out of that Right. Oh, I'm sorry. We're out of that. Right. I mean, you go to a burger place and you're like, sorry, we're out of burgers, supply chain stuff. You know, you want to try our chicken fingers? Like, no, (laughs) it's a burger place. I don't want to try your chicken fingers. There's shortages, right, all around the world right now for whatever reasons. But here's something we know. The world has no shortage of worship. There's no shortage of worship. In the world today, about 1.8 billion people in the world today worship Allah in the Muslim faith. Another 1.1 billion people worship a variety of gods in the Hindu faith. 500 million people worship in the Buddhist faith. 14.7 million people worship in the Jewish faith. And even if you look, Beyond organized religion, worship and belief take different forms, right? You see, every human on this planet, everyone is trying to make sense of life. Everyone is looking for some kind of narration to attach themselves to to bring meaning and purpose to their existence. We all crave that. And so, one of the predominant mainstream schools of thought in America today is called secular humanism. Secular humanism essentially teaches that humans must look within themselves to define what is right or wrong. We decide for ourselves what is true or false in this world for us, maybe for others, without any idea without any concept of there being an all-powerful lawgiver known as God. We see this all around us. It's in the mainstream. It's closer than you think to home. So religious or non-religious, there's no shortage of belief in the world today. There's no shortage of worship. Everyone is believing in something. Everyone is worshiping something. Everyone is trying to attach themselves to an idea that is bigger than themselves because deep down from our own personal experiences and from our experience in an observation of the world, deep down, we all know that something is not quite right with the world. We know. We know that something's off. We see the, the, the problems of the world, the sickness and the disease, and we see the strife and the relational tensions between nations and countries, and we see the murder. We see abortion. We see all these things that we know are not right, that we know are corrupt, and we see it, I believe, when we're honest with ourselves, you know what? We, we see that in our own hearts. Humanity, even if they don't believe in a higher being or God, knows that something is not right with themselves. That there is brokenness in our lives. I want to tell you that the Christian Bible has something to say about this. In Genesis 1... Verse 31, we're told that God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. You see, this is important to get. You can't miss this. When we're thinking about the great dilemma and the problem of the world and everyone's sense inside our own souls that something is not right, We have to go back to the beginning and realize that our God, our creator, the one true God, he created a good world. He created a good world. He looked at his creation and he said, this is very good. It was a world without sin and sickness and death. It was a world without problems. It was a world where death did not even exist. We can't even fathom that. And so our God set the stage for his greatest creation, humans, to thrive. Look at Genesis 1 on the screen with me, verse 27 and 28. tells us God created man, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. So from the very beginning of time, from the moment the very first humans were created by God, our job was to multiply and cover the earth with the image of God, with his glory reflected through our own hearts, through our own behavior, our own lives. Don't miss this. We were created for worship. You were created for worship. All of humankind was created for worship. Like I said, there's no shortage of worship in the world today. We are all seeking worship. Innately, this desire put in us from God himself to belong to something greater than ourselves. We were designed to adore and give praise to the one who created us himself. It's God himself who gave every human that longing to attach themselves to something bigger than themselves. God designed us to need him, to be dependent on something greater than ourselves. God designed you to worship him. But when the first humans, Adam and Eve, decided to give their hearts and their worship to something besides God, that decision they made threw everything off track. You see, God was the only one in the Garden of Eden, God was the only one who could give the human race the peace and the security and the meaning to life that they so desired. And ironically, we tried to find those things in something besides the only one who could really give them to us. The Bible has a word for this dilemma. The Bible calls this Sin. It's a departure from God's original intention. Sin is a departure, any departure from God's good design for this world, for your life, for humanity. That is what sin is. And so when sin entered the world, it corrupted the design. It corrupted the human soul. And more devastatingly than anything else, it separated the human race from God. You see... God is is perfect. God is holy. And when we say God is holy, that means that he is without any flaw. He is without any sin. Nothing bad, nothing incomplete, nothing broken comes from him. Only goodness comes from him because he is holy and completely good. A perfect and holy God is perfectly holy and complete in that holiness. So, So sin... Sin has no place in Him or anywhere near Him. Sin cannot exist in this perfectly complete and holy God. So that's a problem for us. That is a huge dilemma for mankind because. That means that sinful humans cannot live forever in the presence of our perfectly holy God. So instead of living with God forever as he intended, sin derailed that. And now here's the consequence. Humans must die a physical death that leads them to an eternal death separated from God forever because he cannot be in the presence of you, a sinner. And so you are therefore condemned to hell forever. That's the consequence of our own choosing our own sin. Romans 6 tells us that the price we all must pay for our sin is a physical death first, and then an eternal death later. And this is True for every single human who's ever lived and alive now and will live. Romans 5, 12 tells us, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sin. Right? Not, not a single one of us is innocent in this matter. Death has spread and will spread to all of us because we're all guilty. Our sin cannot be in the presence of a perfectly complete holy God. Romans 3.23 tells us that we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we, the human race, are separated from God because of our own choosing, because of our own sin. Our choice to live for and believe in and worship something besides God himself. Now think about about the world around you, okay? Let's not think so far away just yet. I want you to think about your life, the people around you, your home, your workplace, your school, and think about your own heart. Do those things, do the brokenness of those things not prove that, that what the Bible is telling us is true? When, when you look at the corruption of your own heart and your sinful desires that maybe no one else knows about but you, When you look at the relational strife in your family and and with your loved ones, and and when you look at the tension at work or at school, and all the problems that you know in your own personal life, the corruption of the world and and the longing of the human soul to attach itself to some great belief for, for some kind of help, for some kind of rescue, for some kind of system of worship or idol of our own making or choosing, that's exactly That's exactly what the Bible tells us. It's amazing how the world and our own lives prove that the Bible is true. The Bible speaks directly about this condition. And deep down, we all want meaning and significance in our lives. Absolutely. We all want some kind of hope to cling to. We all have a desire to give ourselves to something that will sustain us. And so we look to so many things for that sustenance. We look for so many things for consistently consistency. We look for something to be a solid footing that we can rest on. It may be a romantic relationship. It may be your career. It may be your bank account. It may be your children. We put so much pressure on people and things to give us a solid footing where we feel better about ourselves. Isn't that the irony? We use other people and we use situations and our circumstances not to better others, but to better ourselves so that we can feel better, that we have security. All of this is evidence. All of this is evidence that what the Bible is saying is true. We are truly separated from God. So there's a great need There's a great need in this world. We all feel it. We all see it. We all experience it. We all know it. There's no denying it. But that leaves us hanging for some kind of hope. What is the answer we're all looking for in all these different ways? And that brings us to the solution. The solution is only the gospel of Jesus. So, so far, we've only heard bad news today. But that's the situation. That's the reality. Before you can really appreciate good news, you have to understand the bad news first. But the Bible tells us not only the bad news, the Bible tells us there is really, really good news for you. You see, that's what the word gospel means it means good news. And the good news is this. Look on the screen with me, Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for your sins. And here's what that means. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus knew no sin. Jesus is God. So he is perfectly holy and complete, lacking no good thing. Jesus knew no sin. He was perfect perfect so therefore we should have been the ones paying the penalty for our own sin that's fair jesus doesn't deserve the penalty for something you've done that's exactly what he got christ stepped in front of you in the great courtroom of our god and father judge and he steps in front of you and says give me the penalty instead of andrew Let Andrew go free and give the penalty to me. Think about that. On the cross of Jesus Christ, there is a great exchange taking place, right? Jesus takes your punishment. On the cross, he takes your punishment and in exchange, as it tells us in the verse we just read, so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus takes your sin and gives you his righteousness. Man, think about that. Today's family worship. So our elementary school kids are joining us for worship today. Hey, kids, we're glad y'all are here. You guys get report cards, right? Yeah? Have y'all's report cards been good? Don't answer if it's not. Okay, we'll talk about that later. So here's the deal, okay? So when you get a report card, imagine this. Imagine your report card was was just all failure. A lot of Fs, right? You just failed everything. That's terrible. That's bad. So let's just imagine. This is pretend. I know this isn't real for anyone. So we're just pretending that everybody failed, every single subject in every class, and it was all really bad. Your report card stinks. But imagine this. Jesus comes in, and he has a perfect report card and and he takes your report card for himself the really bad one and he gives you his report card and it becomes yours you see that is what happened on the cross in this great exchange that we don't deserve jesus sacrifices himself absorbs the wrath of god and takes our record and gives us his record it is yours it is ours so, this is a very legal exchange, right? There's a lot of legality to this because when you trust Jesus to be your Savior, you enter into a good standing before a holy judge. Right? Before Jesus, you are in bad standing before God the judge. Right? But when he steps in and gives you his record of righteousness, he credits it to your account as if you were the one who did all that perfect living and paid the penalty for that death. As if you were the one, you are justified in that moment before the judge. You're in good legal standing before God. But here's another beautiful thing about this great exchange. It's not just some kind of cold legal process. This is also a tender, loving adoption. We have some families in our church right now who are in the process of adoption. And it's such a beautiful thing. I love the analogy because adoption the way we see it in our world today, it is such a beautiful picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ because not only do you see the legality, right? You see the legal things that must be done for those children to become yours, but you also see a loving, tender heart of a mother and a father who are welcoming a stranger into their family and saying, we love you and you're one of us now. There's this loving and caring aspect to our salvation that yes, legally before the judge, you are declared righteous because of Christ, but you are also not, or God is not just a judge. He is also a loving father. And so he welcomes you into his family and he gives you a seat at the dinner table and says, this is yours. You are ours. You are with me. And nothing can change that forever. You see, this is the solution. That is the solution to the problem of the human race being separated from God. Mark 1, verses 14 and 15, when Jesus began his earthly ministry, he said, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God, and here's what Jesus said. He said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand Repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus is telling people to repent. What does that word mean? It means to confess you are not just a sinner who's done some bad things, but that you are sinful. Confessing to God that at your core, your very being, You have this corrupted soul and you want to worship and give yourself and give your heart and your life and your attention and your money to things that aren't God for that peace and security. But repentance starts with confessing that that is who you are, that you are trying to live life on your own with no dependency on God. And so the next step of of repentance is turning away from that lifestyle, turning away from that reality and turning to Christ to be everything you could never be. That's what belief is. It's turning to Christ. Jesus says, repent and believe. Believe that Jesus is your record of righteousness. Trust him. Worship him instead of something else in this world, instead of yourself. It's a commitment to following Jesus and, and loving him and, and wanting to please God by following the commands of Jesus the rest of your life. That is salvation and that is the only solution to this great need that we see in our world today that's it because it changes you you're never the same after you truly give your heart to Christ this is too powerful for you to remain the same After you give your heart and your life to Jesus Christ, the one who went through all of this, for that to happen, how could you remain the same? You see, Jesus gives us his Holy Spirit, and his Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, comes into our hearts and our lives, and he starts working. He starts working and and shaping you and molding you into who God created you to be. He's conforming that broken image of God in you now into a holistic and a complete image of God in you. And that's a process that's going to happen until the day that you still do experience your physical death. But the good news is that death for Christians is only a fleeting moment. Because as soon as you close your eyes and take your last breath, you're awake can you take your first breath in eternity with Christ forever and everything is fine. Isn't that beautiful? So do you see how great salvation is? Do you see how great the solution is to a desperate world looking for answers? And that brings us to the plan. We've talked about the need, we've talked about the solution, but what's the plan to get this wonderful good news to the ends of the earth, as Jesus said. The plan is that God's people deliver the message of the gospel. You know, that's really been the plan all along. The plan all along was for the earth to be filled with the image of God with his glory. It started with a, a, a mandate to Adam and Eve that God gave them and said, "Here you're the first human, so here's your deal. You gotta be fruitful and you've got to multiply and you've got to cover this earth the plan all along was for the people of God to cover the earth with the image of God worshiping him as the one true God and Adam and Eve messed that up and then we were hopeful well maybe it'll be Noah right and so God gave Noah a chance to be fruitful and multiply and cover the earth and then he didn't do so hot either and his descendants didn't do so great. So God, cha- God chose a man named Abraham and started a family with him and told them that they would fill the earth as well, that they would be a nation to bring honor and glory to God and to represent God through the nation of Israel to the world and to show the world what God is like. And guess what? They didn't do so great at that either. So failure after failure after failure finally leads us to one who didn't fail. Jesus Christ became the one true, the greater Adam, the greater Noah, the greater Abraham, the true Israel. He was the light for the world. And so now after Jesus ascends into heaven, he does his work on the cross. He says, it is finished. It is complete. But there's still this lost and dying world out there that needs this hope of what he's done. And so what does he do before he ascends into heaven to go back and be with his father? to be back in heaven with God, seated on his throne. Look at what he says in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Jesus says to his disciples, to his followers, and that includes you, he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. In 2 Corinthians 5.20, Paul tells the church of Corinth, Greece, he says, therefore, we are ambassadors. We are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal, where? On the news? Is he right in, in the sky with the clouds? No. God is making his appeal through us. So Paul says we implore you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God through this good news through this gospel and then share it with others so that more disciples of Jesus can be made See church we we are the ones that God has given this task this wonderful beautiful difficult task of delivering this message this solution to this great need in this world. You know, there's this false belief out there in the church that this is only for some special people, people we call missionaries, right? People only for those who God calls to do this, or maybe he gifts, you know, with the ability to do evangelism. Now, I want to say, yes, there are structured efforts where we do use the word missions to describe. Absolutely, Kernan missions. That's one of our major vehicles of our ministry strategy. Yes, God does call some to devote their vocational lives to this effort and and pick up their lives in America and move to Asia or Africa or Europe or wherever, right? Yes, some people, God does call to do that full time. But the truth is, no one is exempt from the Great Commission, We are all called to obey the Great Commission. Nobody is is exempt from that. So on one hand, we're all called to obey the Great Commission, but on the other hand, not all of us are called to move overseas. So then what do we do? Paul told us, you become an ambassador. Just like an ambassador from America goes to a foreign nation, what are, they, what are they doing? They're representing the United States on that trip and whatever they do. They're rep- Guess what? We are foreigners and strangers. This is not our home. Our true home, our true citizenship, our first residency is not whatever Jacksonville, Florida, three, two, 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 four. Our first citizenship and residency is the kingdom of heaven. So we, on this temporary home that we call, right, we live as ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says, you, disciple of Jesus, you, follower of Christ, you are called to be a missionary. Wherever you live, wherever you work, wherever you play. The world is sick and dying. The human heart is sick with sin. The need for being rescued, for salvation, is so great. But there is a beautiful truth the world is so desperate for. And you know what? You've got it. Like you you carry that truth. You have it. And we didn't come up with this. This isn't man-made. This isn't something that we got together and voted on. This is something that came straight from God himself. We didn't really have anything to do with it. But God has given us, it's remarkable that God has given us this responsibility of being the light to the world, of being carriers of this wonderful message of who Jesus is and what he's done. The solution to this great need. That one day Jesus is going to make all things new. That everything, everything that is sad in the world, everything that is wrong with the world will one day become untrue. That true and complete restoration of, of the human soul and the created world will be fulfilled. And you know what? One day, as the nations from all around the world gather around the throne of Jesus Christ in the new heaven and new earth and the new Jerusalem, you know what? There will be no shortage of worship. There will be no supply chain issue. The world will work and function perfectly as God designed it to be. And so will you. And Jesus Christ will receive all of the worship as he so deserves. For the next three weeks, We're going to get more detailed than we ever have, really, about how to carry this truth to a lost world. But before we talk about the how, today I wanted you to see the need. I wanted you to see the solution, and I hope you understand the plan. And it's that plan that we're going to talk about over these next few weeks but before that, maybe you are, maybe you're here today and you are one of those. You're one of those people looking for truth. And that's why you're here, because you are searching for truth and, and you're looking for, for some belief or, or something to attach yourself to so that you feel your life has some sense of meaning and some sense of worth. And if that is you today I hope I hope you heard the solution that there is hope in Jesus Christ the son of God and it's not too late for you no matter what you've done you can confess to God that you are sinful that you are corrupt on the inside and you can turn to him and he will be waiting for you with open arms, ready to embrace you and change your life forever. That doesn't mean that your life is gonna get better in the world's definition, but you know what it means? It means that no matter what happens, you will always have a seat at the table of God. That is love. That is meaning. That is purpose. That is significance. That is security. That is salvation. If that's you today, I encourage you to find one of our staff. Find me after the service. We would love to talk with you about what the next steps for you would be. And if you are here and you do know the Lord, you do have a relationship with Jesus, you definitely know someone who doesn't. And we're going to get really specific over these next few weeks about sharing the gospel with with those around us who don't know Christ. So I challenge you now, go ahead and start praying about this. Go ahead and start thinking about the people in your life who don't have a relationship with Jesus and that God would want you to share with. So as we start looking in that direction, I want us to close today by praying and asking the Lord to truly help us understand the need, believe in the solution, and be willing and concerned for the urgency of the plan needed to carry the gospel to others. Would we pray to that end? Let's pray. Jesus, we are so grateful that you Came to earth to rescue us. It was truly a rescue mission. And Lord, you succeeded. Satan tried to derail you, he tried to tempt you. The religious leaders tried to mock you, they unjustly convicted you. Lord, the night was dark. Jesus, on that morning, after you died, when you rose from the grave, there was nothing that could stop the power of the light, the power of truth, the power of our Creator God, who has the final word over our souls. Lord Jesus, we humble ourselves before you. And we admit our need and our full dependence on you. Left to ourselves, we have nothing. But with you, we have everything. Jesus, you are so good to adopt us into the family of God. Thank you, God. We can call you father. Let that be true for everyone in here today. Let that be real for every person in this room. And Lord, give us a true burden and concern for those people in our lives who this is not true for. Let us love them so much that we get serious about telling them this wonderful, beautiful, great, good news, the solution to their need. We love you, Jesus. Help us as we go through this series to really understand and to really have wisdom to know the best way to share with our friends. It's in your name we pray, amen.